four, three, two, one, and we are live. So what's up? First off, I want to say um, I didn't do it in the first episode. My buddy Gabe mentioned it to me. He was like, you may want to introduce yourself since you didn't. People watching your YouTube may know you, but if they're listening to you on podcasts, maybe not. If you want to listen to this not on YouTube and save your data, I have links in the description below where you can check out the podcast. It's on iTunes and just about everywhere else podcasts are available, so you can check that out in the description below. But today I have somebody I've known for a long time, but I've never actually physically talked talk to outside of like the world of digital, and that is uh, a sketch comedian that I know. Sketch sketch comic guy, correct? Uh, yeah, sketch. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Christophers. Um, so just a little backstory. I met Scott via ddp yoga actually correct oh that's right ddpyoga.com uh yep. team ddp yoga.com yeah team ddp yeah. yoga yeah you used to log on there and they had uh they had basically a chat room and people would go in there and chat all the time i think that's kind of dead now i believe i don't think a lot of people use it they use like facebook groups and stuff but um ddp has uh, integrated most of their uh, online platform into an app which i believe has some sort of social media aspect on it yeah, that makes okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I haven't messed with it in a long time, man. I, I kind of thought it, but that's been. I'm thinking we've had to have known each other for like four or five years now. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely been a while. So, um, and I know that. Do you still just? I mean, we might as well start this off with this since we're talking about it. Do you still do any kind of DDP yoga or anything? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I, I was doing it four or five years ago, back whenever uh, we had met. Uh, online, and I, I got sick, and I kind of fell off the wagon. And uh, I remember you so, posted about being sick a couple of times. Yeah, I, uh, I I had uh, got a um, I got a cold, and I just because I'm a guy and I'm a, a man, and I just power through colds. And I don't know, doctor, right. uh, the cold is turning into an infection in my lungs. I ended up being hospitalized for a while. Um, so now, now I go to the doctor because I'm smart now. Uh, no, I but, understand that. Yeah, I got real sick and um, then fell off the wagon. Just uh, got got real depressed and was binge eating a lot. And uh, I, I I ballooned right back up to about where I started was 278, almost two almost 280 pounds. So, uh, but I'm not that now because I got back on the wagon. But not necessarily with DDP yoga. Just kind of. Um, being inspired by some people that I, I listen to and talk to, um, uh, you know, you had mentioned on your first episode that I actually just watched uh, in preparation for this. Uh, you were talking about how you were inspired by Joe Rogan. I listened to him pretty much religiously. Yeah, so, he's, yeah, he's was, the man. Yeah, he is. And uh, just uh, listening to really hard to listen to people like that who are so dedicated to, to listen to them and not be motivated to get off your butt and do something. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I, I've been losing weight again. I'm back down to about 224 pounds. Thanks, um, awesome. So I'm, yeah, down about 50. Thank you overall. Um, but uh, all of it for uh, because I'm a cosplayer. I had one cosplay I always wanted to do. I'd never done it. Uh, it was Superman, and um, I just had to get had to get there. And uh, I'm still working on it. I want to want to hit 200 flat before before I do that cosplay, but uh, I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, that's cool. I know, yeah, and I know that you do cosplay, um, and I know that, I, which I actually was looking at it just a little bit before we got on here, and I know um, you have a YouTube channel, Jokers and Propaganda, um, and I know mm -hmm. Scott actually did a really good series. If you get a chance, 
Um, go check it out on YouTube. He did a, a series. It was called Group Therapy Arkham, and it was obviously Batman-related. Uh, and I thought it was a really, really cool series. And I think you only did, like, five episodes of it. Um, yeah. But, so uh, we, yeah, t- yeah, you can talk about that. Go ahead. Yeah, we uh, the, the idea behind this series was um, we wanted to do something along the lines of like, The Office or Parks and Recreation where you had this um, mockumentary style um, but we were going to take a look at these Arkham villains and break them down as characters uh, and, and really get, like an intimate look at them that you don't really necessarily get with a lot of what you see in movies. Um, so we really wanted to take, uh, like, uh, our Joker was based largely off of Heath Ledger's take because I think at the time it was like 2011, so Dark Knight was still a pretty, pretty big deal. Right. Um, yeah, we recorded five episodes and uh, we had, like, you, you hear about, um, there's a show, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they had recorded a, a pilot on a budget of $100. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recorded our entire series on a budget of no dollars. We uh, made our own costumes. Um, there was no lighting, essentially. We used light bulbs that were in my house already. Uh, a, a little handheld camera that I believe one of us had bought from Walmart. But uh, the, the interesting thing is, is that this series... Um, there's people that see us at these conventions where we do our live performances all these years later, and they're still asking us when season two is happening. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's been like two years. It has, yeah. Um, so what happened... It's YouTube time, so it could be close to three years. You know how they don't have like a 2.8 or anything. Um, I, yeah, it's closer to three. But uh, what happened is um, Rachel, the girl that actually played Harley Quinn in our show, uh, moved about two hours away and when your budget is zero dollars you can't necessarily pay your actors you can't give them gas money Uh, it kind of fell out because um, we just couldn't get everybody together and um, so people are still asking when's uh, season two dropping I'm like never (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was was definitely a fun thing you know uh, I, I always appreciate when people look at something that I made you know some art that I did and they're like hey that was real special yeah, well, I mean, because you ultimately, like, the idea is, and people have this misconception, I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, if you really love something, you should do it because you love it, and at the end of the day, you do. Like, I don't do YouTube videos, and I didn't start this podcast because I don't, like, I didn't do it because I don't have a passion for it, but at the end of the day, you still want people to watch. Like, it, it may, it's not necessarily that you're doing it only for that, but why would you not want to have the reward of someone enjoying your work? Well, you, you know, it's 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 like uh, like a toddler when you're when you're that young, you're three or four years old, and you start making really big noises. It's partially to entertain yourself, mm-hmm. but it's also to get out of your own. You want that attention. You want you want people to pay attention to what you're doing, even at that age, and yeah. that that evolves as we grow. Uh, so you know, you get to a point where, especially in your teenage years, in high school, you begin to seek validation from your peers, uh, maybe even middle school. Um, and everything that you, you do, you, you need a little validation or else you just kind of feel like you're, it's pointless. So yeah, you absolutely want people to, you know, Van Gogh didn't paint because he loved it, only because he loved it. He also wanted to be recognized. He wanted to be a world-renowned artist. Right. No, absolutely. It's actually funny, a little funny anecdote. Uh, my cat, Vincent, is named after Van Gogh because when my wife found him, he had part of his ear torn off. That is that is that is one. I always tell this um, 
Steve Carell uh, did a movie called uh, Dinner for Schmucks. It was a remake mm -hmm. of a French um, And in it, there's a line where he says, uh, they used to tell Van Gogh he couldn't be a famous painter because he only has one ear. And he said, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. 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 That movie's uh, awesome. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I love it. All these people have these interesting like stories about how they named their animals and like all these like sentimental things. I named my dog Dory because I love Finding Nemo, and that's it. There's no hidden meaning. Nice. I just like fix. Yeah, <laughs> whatever you want to do, man. My my second cat uh, we got from a woman that my wife knows, and she had already named the cat Pablo. And when we got him. Uh, we were like, well, we might as well keep the painter theme going, right? So we have Vincent and Pablo. Uh, like Ninja Turtle. Like yeah. Ninja Cat. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, uh, it's fun. But yeah, that's why his name Fango randomly. Um, as far as working with zero dollars, dude, I, I can kind of relate to that. Because um, I shot, in 2010, I shot uh, part of a horror movie for me and a buddy I worked on, which we never finished it. Um, and actually just sadly found out that the, the lead actor in that movie just passed away, which is super sad, uh, which I only knew him from working with him on that film. But, um, but so that, that was $0 and literally everything was just handouts and stuff like that or not handouts, but you know what you, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's all, Hey, do it's you want to, yeah, you want to chip in? Do you want to help out? That kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, that, that's, that's kind of been, um, that's kind of how you have to do it, especially when, when there is, is no budget. You kind of have to just rely on people's talents and their ability to pull things together. Um, you know, there, I've been involved in multiple productions where there was either no or very little budget, and uh, that's where you begin calling in all these favors. Mm -hmm. uh, and how I got into acting actually is funny. I, I used to work at a haunted attraction, um, Percy Valley Spooky Woods. It's this big, um, nationally renowned uh, haunted attraction, and. What was interesting about that is that they, they're celebrating their 33rd, 34th year now, um, but they started with just a couple of friends in a uh, house that was on their farmland that was supposed to be haunted, um, and they evolved from there. And I, don't, I, I think that that is a wonderful success story because everything has to start somewhere, whether you start right. recording a podcast with your buddies on YouTube or whether you're uh, dressing up like a clown and pretending to fight Batman. It's it's got to start somewhere. Yeah, Disney started in a garage in Chicago, man. I, I almost said Charlotte. That's why Chicago sounded weird. I don't. Know. I guess because I know you're from North Carolina, so I guess I was thinking Charlotte, which I know you're not from Charlotte, but so that's why yeah. that's why Chicago sounded weird. There I had a little slip with my. But yeah, I mean you know Disney started in Chicago in, in a in a garage and yeah everything has to have a, has to have have a beginning. Uh, any you know even going to YouTube subscribers, Casey Neistat didn't start with 10 million subscribers. He started with zero. Same thing with any of these guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started with zero. Now I have slightly higher than zero. All these years later, uh, but you know that's that's my fault. I don't I don't post regularly enough. Uh, we do we do these live shows, and uh, it, it, it's just difficult to set aside time for yourself, especially when you still have to work your your day job to make ends meet. Yeah, man. Uh, it, it, so that's part of my fault. There's some good sketches on there, though. People are listening to this. Um, you know, we got like a "What would happen if the purge was real?" Uh, sketch on there. Uh, speaking of sketches, so okay, um, when I was on your YouTube channel earlier, watching your first episode, mm -hmm. uh, I watched this you did years ago, called the Netflix coma. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. That was the first so, ever. 
the, my channel started as a fitness channel, which is hilarious. Uh, but it was kind of like I wanted to document myself losing weight because I was really motivated, which I've lost 50 pounds, but it's just taken forever. Um, and then one day I was coming home and I was like, I have an idea for a sketch. And it literally just on the way home hit me, drove home, filmed it. And that was the first ever, that was when my channel started branching out and becoming like an entertainment channel. Yeah, I remember you were doing vlogs, uh, just like weight loss vlogs when I first started mm -hmm. watching it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that sketch, all these years later, still stands out to me because it's still so funny because it's still so true. Dude, it's, I do, I do it every day. Uh, like, every day. The only time I didn't, like, when we watched, when we went through the office in Parks and Rec, it was a no-brainer, turn it on, and go through, uh, which we're watching mm -hmm. Gilmore Girls now randomly, but uh, yeah, it's usually turn it on, you, like, the entertainment of Netflix is seeing all the stuff they have, and then you just go to sleep and you don't watch anything. What have what have you watched lately that's that's new? Uh man, I'm trying to think. What is the last movie? Like I've gotten so I got so burnt out. I know I know this sounds like the most hipster thing in the world, and I don't mean it to sound the way that I that it's coming off. I got so burnt out on Hollywood because there's a lot like there's a lot of really good stuff out. Um I just haven't oh, yeah. watched it because I've gotten so a I've gotten burnout on comic book movies. I probably just lost thirty subscribers saying that, but I got so burnout on them because every single week it was a new comic book movie. And I love comic books and I love comic book movies, but I need variety. Like every movie in Hollywood is some sort of actiony superhero based thing. Um, and then I started reading. I can't remember who it was. But there was a director who talked about it. The reason it's so hard to make it in Hollywood now is because now you don't have this film starring this one guy and then a bunch of subsequent actors who were just supporting actors. They go for the big home run. There's 30 Academy Award winners in one movie. And it's all like, it's just become about money, which I guess technically is what it's always been about. But I just, I kind of, I fell out of love with it for a little while. And I just, I'm just now kind of getting back into where I want to watch stuff. That's like there should be, there should definitely be an intersection of uh, where making money meets artistic vision, and yeah. th there's just no artistic vision with a lot of things now. Yep. Uh, however, I, I will. What, what's the last Marvel movie that you probably saw? Uh, the last one, the newest one that I saw is uh, <laughs> probably the first Ant Man. I'm like really okay. far behind, man. Ant Man. That that that's interesting. So like after Ant Man, uh, Marvel started. They stopped making superhero movies. Disney's not making... They're making movies that have superheroes in them. Right. So, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is a romantic comedy. Um, right, yeah. Spider-Man a throwback to the uh, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, 1980s, teenage angst film. Uh, so, so it's interesting because those movies have began to evolve because I feel like people are tired of straight-up superhero movies. That's why... Justice League was a failure. Nobody wants to see a superhero movie. We want to see a movie, uh, and we want to see characters. Yeah, and superheroes are cool, so let's have some superheroes in there. But yeah, I, I'd say that uh, just give it a shot, you know, looking at it objectively. Next time you, you think, yeah, I'll watch Spider-Man Homecoming. I, I think oh, maybe it'll... No, actually, least, now that you said that, I did see Homecoming. I did see Spider-Man Homecoming, and I, did, I, I liked it a lot, actually. Yeah, I think looking at it objectively like that gives it a whole different spin, and even if you're burnt out on them, at least, you know, looking at it that way is a little bit better than just, oh, man, that was super fair. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, what, what you were talking about, though, where, where artistic vision 
oh, well, what I mentioned, uh, where artistic vision meets making money. Um, when I first really started uh, the group therapy Arkham, the idea was, ah, man, we've got all these followers, and uh, we're not really doing anything online because we were doing the live shows. Uh, so I just wanted to put out something that, but I didn't just want to put out anything because we could have just made some uh, blogs of me and, uh, at the time, Rachel, because if you put a hot camera, people are going to watch. Oh, yeah. So I, we didn't really try, but I, I really had this vision of, of wanting to create something unique and take an introspective look at some characters that you never really got a, that view of, and so we created Group Therapy Arkham. I'm actually working on a new series now that I don't, I don't want to give too much away, um, but it, it's called Marks, and it's about uh, three massive professional wrestling marks, which... People who aren't wrestling fans watching this or listening to this, uh, a mark is somebody who's like super into it. They just, they really, uh, they just know everything about it. They're essentially a super fan. Yeah. Uh, be super fans for professional wrestling, living together, and it's it's going to be kind of a niche thing because there's going to be insider terminology, but um, it's a project I'm I'm really passionate about. Cause I'm a massive, massive professional wrestling fan. No, so uh, hopefully that soon. Did you ever see um, Kayfabe, a fake, what is it, a fake real movie about a real fake sport or something like that? Did you ever see that movie? Yeah, yeah, no, I did, yeah. Yeah, that movie, that movie ruled. That's when you were talking about that. Because I love, I love stuff like that. I wish more people, and I know that wrestling is very um, uh, niche I don't know if that's a real word, but like, a lot of people either hate it or love it, man. Um, and if you love it, people tend to hate that you do. Uh, but... I, I love stuff like that. I, I read kayfabe news anytime an article comes out. Um, I tend to stay away from dirt sheets because I don't like... I just... Part of dirt sheets... Like, I think if people would stop reading dirt sheets, that it could bring some of the magic back from when you're a kid. Um, I went to... In Greensboro, two weeks ago, it was, the, it was the Raw before SummerSlam when Ambrose returned. I was at that Raw. I went down there. My buddy Justin bought tickets and was like, Hey, man, I want you to go. So we went down there. Super awesome that he hooked me up and great seats and all that stuff and Seth is out there cutting his promo at the end blah 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 oh I should have a lunatic in mind and I was like is Dean is Dean Ambrose here is what what is happening here um and it kind of brought back that magic when you wrestling's already so predictable why do we read dirt sheets you know what i mean right um and and seeing Ambrose return surprisingly it brought back that feeling of when i was a kid i didn't know that was going to happen cuz i don't read that stuff online anymore Right. But, you know, any form of entertainment is going to be like that, where if you read everything that's posted online about it, you're going to know everything before it happens. Right. Like, try to not even watch trailers anymore. Yeah. Because trailers give away, give away most of the movie. Yep. Well, uh, and you, you end up having ten different versions of a trailer. Like, it'll be like, oh, here's Red Band trailer number 47. And it's, at that point, you've seen the movie. It just in almost like it's been edited by Quentin Tarantino. So, so I, I like to go into things kind of blind. So I, I, as far as wrestling, I've stopped reading dirt sheets. I do listen to podcasts, but only uh, I listen to Something to Wrestle, which is Bruce Prichard, mm-hmm. and uh, Eight Weeks, which is Eric Bischoff, because that's my favorite. Uh, if, if, if there were three people in a room and um, the good Lord Almighty said, you can only save one of these people before I fill this room with water, and it was like it was Jesus Christ, Eric Bischoff, and my girlfriend, I'd save Easy. I'd save Eric. 
that's do not I, I I understand what you say what you're saying though man because my actual my favorite era of uh, wrestling is basically September 4th 1995 the day that night I think it was September 4th when Nitro started I was trying to sound all smart with a date and then I started second guessing myself it's September but yeah. uh, when Nitro started until honestly about January to February of 1999 uh, WCW Monday Nitro that is the best wrestling program period i i am very very opposite on wrestling when it comes to opinions i i tend to think that the attitude era is just a touch overrated That's oh just yeah me. no absolutely yeah um i think that we're blown away by these large personas your austins your rocks your triple h your Shawn michaels your undertakers your mcfoley or your mankinds or whatever gimmick he was running that week i think we're so overblown by the characters that we forget a lot of the garbage that happened in that era um, the yep. sexual chocolates, yeah. the the PMS. You remember PMS with Terry Runnels yeah. and Jacqueline and Meat. Meat, yeah, Sean Stasiak. Yeah, yeah, dude. What a what just a bunch of sketchy garbage, man. I rem- I can remember an episode of Raw when Goldust well, was cross dressing and he had that blue thing on and he got in a porta potty and Austin pushed him over in the ring. Like, dude, it, there was a lot of trash, and I don't mean trash like oh that's gutter wrestling. I mean like, who's writing this? This is terrible. Bro, bro, I wrote the whole thing myself, bro. I invented the attitude era, bro. The thing stone cold, that was all me, bro. The porta potty porta potties are extreme, bro. Extreme. It gets ratings. Yeah, no. That's why we do it. It gets ratings. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, uh, it's fun. But you know, um, the reason uh, I was asking you earlier about um, what what you what you've watched that's new. Have you watched Glow? No, I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. I know that they're on the second season now, but I still I haven't even watched that. And I oh, love wrestling, man. and I haven't watched that. I had uh, as a wrestling fan, I go through like periods of where I'm like, completely enamored with the sport, and then I I just withdraw from it pretty much entirely. And I was on a pretty long hiatus from being a, an avid wrestling watcher, uh, and then I, I picked up Glow and started watching it. Uh, oh man, that. That show is so good. So um, essentially, they take they they obviously take liberties with the story, right. and they um they they create characters. It, it's very very loosely based on the actual story of Glow. It's like how um uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is quote unquote based on true events. Yeah, yeah. So right. but it's still very good, and I think that it's turning a lot of people on to pro wrestling because they're seeing it. That you know everybody's in on it. You know a lot of people they'll still you go online and you'll like write something about wrestling. Somebody will be like, ah, wrestling's fake. You know that, right? Like everybody over the age of five knows it's fake. Yeah, one hundred percent. So is everything else on TV, like The Walking Dead. Not fake. real. <laughs> <laughs> like you can tell there's not really the zombie apocalypse because the yards are perfectly mowed. Yeah. Yeah. So we think about it. Glow up. Did you? I don't know if they touch on it in the show. Did do they touch on uh, Sylvester Stallone's mom being one of the largest investors in it? Uh, no, they uh, not yet. Um, I just found that out I, recently. Actually, my buddy Stevie and I were talking, and he he was telling me about that. That Sylvester Stallone, his mom, for whatever reason, was a huge investor in Glow. Yeah, I, I never knew that. I never knew that. Yeah, that's super. That's weird to me, but it's cool. About the only uh, I, one thing that I do keep up with religiously, wrestling wise, is uh, have you watched? I don't know if you follow a whole lot of indie stuff, 
but I watch um, a promotion called GCW, which is uh, Game Changer Wrestling. Have you ever have you heard of that or watched it? I've heard the name kicked around on forums and stuff. I, I haven't uh, watched any of it. Yeah, they they kind of have like um, people either love them or hate them because they do a lot of standard regular shows. They're actually the promotion that runs Joey Janela's Spring Break over WrestleMania weekend, um, mm-hmm. which is the largest indie show WrestleMania weekend. Um, right. But a lot of people don't like them because they also run death matches, and that's like a super black eye on wrestling still for whatever reason. Um, yeah. I mean, I I, I I can I personally like them, but I also fully understand the hatred of them. But I, I think that people still have the mentality of what they were in the early 2000s as to where, like, death matches used to be people would have weapons and wrestle around the weapons but now or they would wrestle to the weapons to do the spots now it's a wrestling match and then weapons just kind of get introduced naturally as they get to like they're part of the match it's not just oh let's go crazy spot to spot like it's actually a wrestling match and but again i understand the black eye so i i if somebody starts trashing on it i'll just be like no dude it's okay just give it a try oh no okay i understand your opinion and then just move on but but uh out because my biggest grievance with with ultra-violent wrestling is that there's no psychology, there's no storytelling. There is now. There's no selling, but uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out because... I can, I'll, I'll recommend, like, I'll send you some stuff in Messenger, like, that's not, like, just brutal for the sake of being brutal. Like, it's not like, alright, what do we have next? Oh, we have some dude getting hit in the stomach with a weed whacker for literally no reason. Like, there's... If I could recommend like, one, just even for the people listening, like, Joey Janela versus Ciclope from The Untouchables from, I think, June of this past year is psychology to the T. It is, it is, it feels real and it's amazing. See, I come from a era of wrestling fans from like the, the mid 1990s is when I really, really got into it. Uh, and I was a WCW guy. I went back later and watched WWF, but the, there's, there was just such, Especially, like, uh, one of my favorite guys to watch, Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. because he had, like, four offensive moves, but everybody was into it because he had a, he had a great gimmick, a great character. Yeah. And I think that that's largely what's lost in wrestling right now. The reason nobody cares about Roman Reigns is because his character is that he's the face of the company. Nobody yeah. cares about that. If Stone Cold Steve Austin had come out to the ring and said, Listen here, we'll be the world champion because I'm the face of this here company. I want to be on the Fiji games. Want to be on the posters. Want to be on like nobody would have Yeah, nobody would have It's like the Rock is movie star on the planet because he he started as a great character. Yep, I agree completely, man. I think characters are are lost, which is funny because it's like the more that wrestling gets out of characters, I feel like it's funny because what people what a lot of MMA fans make fun of to me about wrestling is actually what MMA is. You can't tell me Conor McGregor is not a 1990s wrestling character with stories written for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can't tell me that. And if you believe that, you are feeding into it just like I did to wrestling as a child. Absolutely. See, the biggest draws in UFC history, okay, ever, Ken Shamrock, uh, you know, way back in the beginning, uh, Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey. Ken Shamrock was a wrestler. Yep. Brock Lesnar was a wrestler. Ronda Rousey was a lifelong wrestling fan, and now is a wrestler. a wrestler. Like, you know, 
the whole um, the only reason people say that oh UFC is so great and wrestling is so horrible is because those are the people that are like that are saying ah wrestling's fake and everything because they don't understand that it's a spectacle. Yeah. It is a carnival sideshow act. It's not supposed to be a real fight. Mm-hmm. It's simulated. It's Shakespearean theater. Yep. Like, oh, it's just it, it, it drives me crazy. And UFC fans, and I will call out. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm just I'm just calling out all your UFC fans that are watching this. Look, you guys have a very hypocritical fan base. Uh, so I was very big on the Ronda Rousey train. She's actually what got me in the UFC mm-hmm. uh, because she was they created a whole division based around her, and women's women's fighting became a big deal. Because of her, right. and she lost two fights, and now everybody's saying, "Oh, she was always overrated. She was never very good. She was this, she was that. I never liked her that much anyway." And that's like, okay, how many fights have you ever been in? <laughs> like, you know, and so you know, everybody's turning on these people, like, and and it's just just silly. I think that there's so much hypocrisy in the UFC fan base. And uh, you know anybody who wants to wants to say anything about that? That's fine. I, I stand by what I say. Yeah, I th- I think that I, well, I mean it, and I guess what, what it go it goes both ways because there's a lot of wrestling fans hate each other. <laughs> like so, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, I think that for the most part, most of I think actually all of my f- friends who are UFC fans for the most part are. No, none of them's really said anything like negative to me. Like they may say something like, "Oh, you know, it's," like they may say like they don't understand wrestling, and that's a perfectly valid argument. Not that they don't understand it, but they don't understand the enjoyment in it, and I can understand that completely. Um, I've had people that I don't know like really well. Like I can, when I worked at GameStop, I, I would have people come in there and they'd be like, "Blah blah blah, that crap's fake. It's terrible." And there's a difference in like saying, "I don't understand that. It's not really my cup of tea," and being like. You're an idiot for liking a soap opera. Like, there's a big difference there. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a general rule of thumb: we should just not be dicks, and we should just let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. Well, that's that's also definitely not a bad uh, a bad thing. I've actually uh, I've tried recently to get into the UFC, but my problem is is it like there's not table spots. It's not <laughs> on TV. Like, I think they have like the preliminary fights, but like. All their, yeah, of course, the you know, that's bad to say, dude, because I've spent 10 to $15 a month on GCW pay-per-views for the past six months, so I guess maybe I'm not one to talk, but but there is a big difference in $15 and $60, $70, They do have, like, Fight Pass, but I don't know how much it is. I don't know if that includes the pay-per-views. See, uh, that's WWE is brilliant because they future-proof themselves. They yeah. Future-proof. Yep. But with... The WWE Network, you know, they've got the 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 Netflix archive essentially of pro wrestling at your fingertips for ten bucks a month. You know, that's that's so brilliant. And UFC really needs to to corner that market and do something like that. Yeah, I think so too. Because because the thing is, and this is the way I've always thought about it, is if a wrestling company or a wrestling company, sorry, we were talking about if a company in general, right? So let's say you have pay per views and they're sixty bucks. If you have a thousand, or let's say you have a hundred thousand people buy this pay-per-view at $60 or you have 2 million people buy it at 10 bucks where have you made more money exactly um exactly. You, you're selling you're you're lowering the price to raise demand and you're making up for that 
in co- you're making up the cost by lowering the price because you're still you're gonna make just as much money because more people are going to buy it. And honestly, if they're gonna do something like that, they need to do it. They need to strike while the iron's hot, while McGregor's still around because he's probably gonna retire within the next couple of years. Uh, you know, while you got Kumier, you got uh, you know Lesnar's coming back. This would really be a great time to do it. Yep. But I think the problem is that Dana White's not a businessman. Well, I think he's – well, I, I don't necessarily think he's a bad businessman. I mean, the dude took a company that he paid just a couple million and sold it for over – what was it, two or three billion that he sold it for? It might be in the billions. I don't, I don't know but, if it was quite that high. It might be. But, uh, he's, but he's lacking in, in that department. Like, they, they need a – there's no reason not to have a monthly subscription service where you also get the pay-per-view. Just to be, because the thing is, is like, and MMA has become a lot bigger than what it was even five years ago. But I think that um, it's just man, you got to get more eyes on the product and try to secure a TV spot. The reason wrestling is still around is because of the TV spot. Like that's why people still watch it. It's not even. I mean, of course, a lot of people grow up with it and stuff, but it's available. Like, having it available and readily available makes people... I don't know. Maybe not, though, man, because our natural instinct, especially dudes, is just like, let's watch dudes fight each other. Like, we're very territorial. Like, that's in our genetic makeup. So maybe maybe they're just relying on that. Like, ah, people love Fight Club. People love to see people kill each other. So they'll watch this. And, you know, there's a there's very primal... Uh, uh, there's a very primal thing about fighting in general, and that's why people will always watch boxing. They'll always watch mixed martial arts. But I do think that um, I do think it's a very male thing. I don't think that there's a very large female market in combat sports. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that few women can't fight. No, I, there's, I, there's I'm never. And certain that Ronda Rousey could walk in this door right now and whoop my ass. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm not saying just you. I'm saying for me too. Like. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the urge to fight, that urgency, that need to beat your chest and uh, prove you're bigger and better than somebody, it's a very male thing. Yeah. So that's why, I, in males, we like convenience. We like things to be ready for us when we want them, you know? Uh, so to have something you can put on your PlayStation, on your Xbox, on your Roku, and to sit there and watch it, you know, even like I said, they've got Fight Pass, but it doesn't entail anything near what the WWE Network or even Netflix or Hulu. They really need to focus on that market because that's the way of the future. Man. Television, well, talking about having a television deal, television isn't going to exist in the way that it is now, twenty years from now. Yeah, well, I, I can agree with that for sure. I can agree. So with they, that got, for they got, they so. got. The thing is, it works on all scales. I don't know if you've ever watched a lot of CZW, but CZW wrestling promotion out of Philadelphia, they did a bunch of deathmatch stuff uh, in the early 2000s, and they're kind of changing now. They have a streaming service. It's 10 bucks a month, and it's every show that they've ever done and the new shows when they come out. I mean, it's... And that's on a promotion that's... I mean, it's not a huge promotion. CZW actually is what... Um... It's interesting that the connection is through one person, but CZW uh, is one reason why I recently started watching NXT again. Um, so uh, a number of years ago, I went to the ECW Arena, which mm-hmm. very famous arena. It's a 
it was a little tiny bingo hall, but every wrestling that was like wrestling mecca. Yeah. Everybody wanted. Everybody and wanted so to got, fight in the arena. I want to say it was Cage of Death ten. I don't know which one it was, but uh, there was a wrestler there who really caught my eye, and his name was Adam Cole. Bay Bay. Yeah. Uh, he and I just oh man, he was so good, and uh, of course you know I I, I followed his career ever since, and uh, then he ended up in NXT, and that's how I started kind of watching that again. I you fell went, off so you went to a Cage of Death? Yeah, yeah, I was I wow. was at Cage of Death, I'd say it was 10. Um, that's awesome. What was the, I don't even remember the match card, I think Nick Nick Gage fought Homicide, or, yeah. That's there, crazy, because that would have been pre-dying in a death match and then going to prison, Nick, Nick Gage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. but uh, that was um, that was kind of my foray into CZW. I I watched them here and there. I John Moxley. I saw John Moxley live that night too. He wrestled. So that that anybody that doesn't know that's Dean Ambrose now. Yeah, but, I bet. Um, yeah. I bet was Drake there? Drake Younger? Do you know right off? Um, honestly, you know, I I, I don't recall. Uh, but I I I would say that that's. Around that time frame, I want to say it was like 2011. That's probably he was most likely there in Golden cool. Thunk capacity. Old Drake, man, that, I can't believe he made it to the. He was a deathmatch guy, which he's just an official. But like, it's weird that he made it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean no, that I in a good way. I'm happy Drake deserves it. But how did he get in the door? This dude, this dude was just a couple of seconds away from allowing Thumbtack Jack to cut his finger off in a match, and now, dude, he he refed. Rousey and Angle versus Hunter and Step was handpicked by Hunter to referee this match. It's the only main card match he's ever officiated, and it was at WrestleMania for the future owner of the company. How did this yeah. guy get in? Well, you know, what's interesting, and I don't know if this was the connection that got him in, but um, apparently Road Dog has been uh, really introducing uh, people to other venues of indie wrestling, you know, CZWs and uh, right. things like that. So I, I I'm not I'm, I don't know for certain that was the connection, but I think that maybe that's, that's has to do with it. That's possible because I'm trying to think like the only connection I can see, and obviously he worked regular stuff too, but he's known for death matches. And I'm, right. I know that he was in. I'm sure he was in the same tournament of death that Ambrose was in because Ambrose was in tournament of death. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he took that sawzall to his head. Um, but I couldn't imagine just that one time and Ambrose is sitting backstage like, you know who would be awesome here? Drake Younger. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's weird. So I'd be really interested to meet Drake and ask him that. Like, I would hope that he wouldn't take it the wrong way because I don't mean it negatively. He totally deserves it. But it's just, how did he get in? He's a, I mean, it's open though, man. There's a lot of deathmatch guys that are, that yeah. are I mean, Ambrose was, a, Ambrose was in a tournament of death faced brain damage and took a Sawzall to the head and he has held the most prestigious wrestling title. That is insane. Uh, Sammy uh, Callahan was in that NXT. Mm -hmm. yeah. Callahan, he was at that show. Yeah, Callahan yeah. used to do some deathmatch stuff. I know he was in a cage, like an actual like he wasn't just on the card, he was in an actual cage of death. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, That's yeah. That's very interesting. That's really, really it, cool because I have the CZW app. Um, no, I'm going to go back and watch that cage of death just to see. What I love about the direction WWE is going in now, because obviously they're grooming Hunter to take over the company, uh, and he's a wrestling fan. He is a wrestling fan first, absolutely. So, 
you know, he, he watches all this stuff and, you know, his friends introduce him to stuff. And I think that he has this innate ability to pick out talent. And he can yep. see, no matter what sort of uh, environment you're coming from, he can see talent. Yeah. And uh, that's an incredible gift. And it's, it's unfortunately, it's a gift that Vince McMahon hasn't had in a long time. Because he just, he allowed other people to do a scouting for him. He hasn't, he, I don't think Vince McMahon has probably watched an indie wrestling match in over 20 years. I, I would, I could believe that, legitimately I could believe that. Because he's so, and, I mean, not that he's wrapped up in his own product, but yeah, you're right. He has, he has scouts, like that's literally people's job. That's why Regal goes to Evolve shows, that's why all these guys go to these different shows is to scout for him. But Triple H will actually, like, watch videos, and he will, like, go to shows. Like, he's yeah. a very handsome guy, which is what, what WWE needs to be successful, is Vince McMahon is, he, he's, he's got other venues now, you know, so he's investing in uh, reviving the XFL, and he's, mm-hmm. what is he two? You know, he can't hands-on anymore, so... Um, He's got a trip, so Triple H. Uh, he's he, he, the the company's in good hands. That's what I'm saying. I think so too, man. I think if if they the thing is if anything has come out of NXT, it's showing that people absolutely still care about just pure wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like people will go to a show that is just a wrestling show that has a little bit of a hint of. Um, just a little bit of uh, just a little story, but being mostly you know wrestling. They want wrestling. Um, I, I don't know how much the casual fan base would uh, would go per se, but they sold sixteen thousand tickets to a developmental show this past Sunday, so or Saturday. So I don't think that's an issue. Well, you know, wrestling's uh, on the verge of another booting period. You've got um, All In sold out. 10,000 seats in 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's we're, we're, we're about to see something really big in the world of professional wrestling, and I couldn't be happy about that because, yeah. like I said, I'm, I'm a lifelong fan. Yeah. Uh, Ring I, of Honor sold Madison Square Garden out in thir- 30 minutes? I want to say 30 minutes, yeah. So that, that's incredible. And um, so, yeah, like I said, it, it's... There's never be a time in my life where I'm not a fan uh, on some in some capacity. So to see it doing well is very uh, very great uh, to me. Um, but yeah, what what, um, what was interesting to me about um, this boom period though is there's a lot of things responsible for it. Like I said, Flow is bringing a lot of people in, um, just casual fans. Um, also having John Cena on the Today Show all the time. Have you have you seen John Cena lately? I saw. I've, I haven't seen him, but I saw. Um, I got a, a thing on my. I have Bleacher Report on my phone, and I have the WWE portion of it because Bleacher Report I don't consider a dirt sheet because they don't write anything unless it's like for sure. Um, right. And they they I didn't see the picture, but they they said that they were like oh something about look at Cena he's I guess like super jacked like more so than usual. So here here's the thing he's actually um, he's cut a lot of weight, but he's much more. Um, He's much more like lean and cut now. Like he's definitely more defined, but he's physically smaller. He's lost a lot of bulk, hmm. so uh, he's been hitting a lot of cardio. And uh, I think maybe he's preparing for a role because he's also growing out his hair a little bit. Wow, that's and, I'm gonna have to look at that picture. 
as long as Cena goes. You know, it's not long by any means, but it's definitely not a flat top. But dude, he's uh, the man. That dude, that dude is a good actor. He's I oh, I love that dude as an actor. And honestly, I don't even hate him as a wrestler as much as I used to. I think he's I, I didn't like him because I didn't like the idea of him. Um, but with that being said, even though I didn't like the idea of him, I've never thought he was just an absolute trash bag wrestler. Like, he can go. I just didn't like the idea that he was the best, because he's not. Well, you know, the, anybody you put in that role is going to be hated. Uh, Roman Reigns, uh, um, uh, you know, Cena, uh, Hogan, after a while, was getting booed before yeah. the NWO. Hollywood Hogan's my favorite era of, of Hulk, period. <laughs> Would you say Hulk Hogan is your favorite wrestler of all time? Um, No, Ric Flair, for sure. Ric Flair? Or Ric would... Flair, or uh, strangely, I, I love Terry Funk. I think Terry Funk has done so much for the wrestling industry and doesn't get near the credit. Terry Funk's great. Yeah. He's got a chainsaw, over his head. <laughs> The dumpster. Oh yeah, you gotta love Terry. Yeah, I love yeah, Terry I love... Funk, man. You know though. Um, okay, so I got into like this huge argument with a buddy of mine at work. Um, <laughs> so he's he's a big uh, he was a big WWF guy back in the day because mm-hmm. uh, he watched his foray into professional wrestling was Coliseum video in the late '80s. Uh, so you know he's he's really big on like Bret Hart and everything. So the Attitude Era, he got really huge into wrestling. So his favorite wrestlers ever are uh, The Rock and Shawn Michaels. Fair and, enough. Um, yeah, those are great choices. Um, but we got into this massive argument because I told him that my favorite wrestler could wrestle circles around his favorite wrestler. Because The Rock, super charismatic, very fun to watch. Not the most technically sound wrestler. Right? 100%. 100% right. agree. My favorite wrestler of all time is Chris Jericho. I can I fully understand that. Chris Jericho would wrestle circles around the rock. Chris Jericho, uh, you know, he's he's in a lot of stuff. Like he's going to be in a Kevin Smith movie. I don't know, man. I love Kevin Smith. Yeah, he's going to so, be in. Uh, um, I think it's actually literally just called Moose Jaws, isn't it? Maybe, may it's, it's kind of like his. Um, it's not a sequel by any means, but it's like his follow up piece to like Tusk. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the third. I remember Jericho had him on his podcast, and Kevin Smith was like, "You want to be in Moose Jaws?" And he's like, "Absolutely!" And I was like, "This is amazing. I hope this happens." I would really love to see Jericho and more stuff, man. So I'm actually going to see Fozzie for the second time next month. Um, man, dude, they're so good live. Like Jericho, not only Jericho being charismatic, but that, that's just a great band. So you got Rich Ward laying down these incredible melodic riffs. And uh, then you've got uh, Holly D doing these like galloping bass lines. Uh, it's just, just a great band, and um, I'm really glad that Judas took off the way that it did. Dude, and a lot yeah. of people being um, yeah. yeah, that song blew up. Yeah, yeah, out of nowhere too, because uh, you know, as a Fozzy fan, you know, I've been buying their stuff for years. Uh, and then, you know, one of my friends, like, messaged me, and was like, have you heard the new Fozzie? I was like, have I heard it? Of course I have. I was like, how have you heard it? And they're like, yeah, I was on the radio this morning. I was like, what? Yeah. I never, ever, and I've been a fan of theirs for 13 years. Never thought. You remember, uh, you remember when he first came in, and, like, he was trying to keep it separate, and he went, does he still go by Mongoose McQueen? Or is oh, it no. just, okay. is he just okay with, just, I'm clearly Chris Jericho now? I mean, I know that he's yeah, acknowledged it, was- it, but I didn't know if he, like, fully dropped that moniker. 
Right. See, in the beginning when they first started, they were a cover band, um, but th th they claimed that they um, got trapped in Japan in the 1980s, and all these big metal songs that had come out since were their songs that they wrote, other people just stole. <laughs> uh, come back to reclaim their songs. That was, that was a gimmick. That's so they were moving and... Um, yeah, and it, it, it slowly just evolved into original music and them making, uh, you know, making a serious go at rock and metal. And, uh, man, dude, they're just unbelievable group now. And, like I said, they're my favorite band. And it's not just because Chris Jericho is lead singer. It's because, dude, their music is really good. Yeah, I need to listen to more of them. Um, I haven't listened to – of course, I don't listen to a lot of music. Like, um, I just don't – like, it's not because I don't love music, like – I just the only music that I listen to. My favorite band of all time is The Offspring. Um, yeah, yeah, that's they're a good band. they're my favorite band ever. Uh, has been since I think uh, sometime mid September nineteen ninety nine when they released or nineteen ninety eight. I'm sorry when they released Pretty Falafel for a White Guy. Like and not even that song. That song got me to buy Americana, the album that it was on, and then I listened to that and I was like. Okay, Pretty Fly for a White Guy is completely different from all these other songs, but I love these other songs. And so then I started looking into Smash, Ixnay on the Ombre, Ignition. I just I had to have them all, man, and I just I love that band so much. Are they are they still touring? Uh, yep, they sure are, man. They were actually my uh, I had a buddy send me a message. Um, it was about two weeks ago. It was actually the week before Raw was in Greensboro, and he was like, "Dude, I just found out." This was on a Monday. He was like. The Offspring is going to be here on Wednesday. And I was like, crap, dude, there's no way I can get off work for that like, and get off work the following week for Raw. Um, and, and it was one of those things like I, I really wanted to go to Raw. It was the go-home show to SummerSlam. But, man, I wish I could have taken that time off, dude, because I've never seen them live. I've seen a lot of – not a lot of bands. I've seen several bands, and I just – I know that seeing – the offspring, which I mean, it's just a bucket list item for me. Dude. And Dexter, dude, he's he's in. A, I guess he's he's got to be at least fifty, if not in his fifties. I'm gonna look that up right now, actually, because they've been together since like 1980. Oh God, three or four. They used to go by Manic Subsidal, and then they changed mm -hmm. to the Offspring. Dexter. Yeah, what's, what's, what's interesting to me about um, about the Offspring is the first song I heard of theirs was um, oh gosh. Uh, you're gonna go far, kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's the first song I ever heard of theirs, and then, then I heard fifty-two. Tell <laughs> you, wow. yeah. Wow. That's amazing how like um, you know, there aren't uh, there aren't football players that are still active in their fifties and sixties, but you have these rock stars that do it for this long. Yep. And these stage shows, and they're they're strenuous. And uh, have you ever? Uh, I don't know if you you play music or anything. Have you ever like been on stage? Um, when, no, I don't, not for anything like that, not for anything music related. I don't think I've ever, I've been, have I ever really been on stage? I don't think so. I've been in a number of bands, and dude, it's so physical, like, especially like when you're in one of those high energy groups, like, you know, The Offspring or, you know, Fozzie, everybody's running around all the time. Uh, you know, it, it's very, very strenuous, and, um, so I'm, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Kiss fan. Um, yeah, I knew that you're a huge Kiss fan. Yeah, Paul Stanley's had hip replacement surgery, and um, he, he was talking about how you know the reason that um, that he's still going is because uh, he just loves it so much, and it's the energy that really keeps him going. 
and that's what keeps him young. This dude does not look 64 years old. If I was 64 years old and looked <laughs> like that, I would be happy as fuck. Yeah, dude. Imagine, like, imagine, like, how good he could look if he wasn't going through the stress and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's crazy to think about. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it is stressful. It's super stressful performing. So um, we're performing uh, next weekend in Fayetteville. So we're driving down. We uh, we do this this show every year. We're, it's a it's a li- it's at a library, a massive massive library. But uh, it's kind of like a community event for the city of Fayetteville. Fayetteville, um, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of close um, to where I'm at. So uh, we drive out there, then we do the show. We go to the beach for a couple of days and come back. Uh, so yeah, we we we're, we're going to go have some fun. But um, it, it's strenuous because you know like. To, even with sketch comedy, you know, with, we have to write these things out, you know, these ideas, and we have to spitball and get everything's got to be approved by me, you know, because I'm our ringleader. Um, <laughs> it, um, it, it is difficult to uh, to get everybody on the same page all the time, and then uh, you know, you travel, you perform, you travel back, you travel somewhere else, you perform, travel back. It's extremely strenuous, and. Uh, it's really hard, especially like, you know, I've been on this weight loss journey trying to eat right on the road. God, it's so difficult. Yeah, so oh yeah. Difficult. And, and people so always act like, oh, just eat Subway. And it's like, well, no. I mean, yes, but no. Sub- Subway can be in- insanely unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, a lot of people don't pay attention to what they put in their bodies. Um, absolutely, like, like bread, like Subway, if you go to Subway, you eat 90% of that is bread. Right. And, yeah, bread. Bread. Like, you get a Subway sandwich, there's like three slices of turkey and then bread. And then you have to, a pound and a half of bread. Bread is bread is processed in your body as sugar. And it so it stops you from being able to burn fat, slows down your metabolism, guns up the words. But bread is the cornerstone of the American diet. Dude, and you know what's delicious? Bread. Dude, it's <laughs> the best. I love bread. Man, like, fried chicken is breaded, you know? Uh, pizza is bread. Tacos have bread. Like, it's in everything, man. You can't escape bread. Yep. And so, it's interesting to me that keto is, like, the big diet right now. Like, it's the new fad diet. Mm-hmm. And, like, so, essentially, with keto, what you got to do is, like, you can't have sugar at all. Right. Uh, I tried it. I tried it. Yeah, okay. So I went on keto, and because I'll be straight with you, man, I love vegetables, I love fish, I love chicken. I was like, I could do this. I can, I can eat ketogenic diet. Um, you can't have, you can't have uh, certain alcohols. You don't have like grain alcohol. You can't have wine. Uh, you can't have like, um, and I love wine, dude. Like I can, I can drink wine all day. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so I, I got um, three or four days into it, and I got what's called keto sickness. Yeah, Which I've heard is, people talk about that. Yeah, your body is readjusting from burning sugar all the time to just burning fat because all you're eating is fat. Right. Uh, and it, it makes you, it gives you like this flu and it's so bad. For most people, it only lasts like a couple of days. I was down for like a week. And I, after just a couple of days, I was like, dude, I can't do this. Like, yeah. Uh, but apparently. After you get over the keto sickness, you're fine. But I'm just, I'm just a bitch, man. I can't get through it. No, I know what you're <laughs> so, saying. I, I have a, a buddy that did keto or did that, and he got sick. And he said, 
he lasted throughout that week, and he said once once he got better, he said it was perfect, man. Um, I I think you know you uh, going to fad diet and stuff. I do think I can understand the fad diet nature of keto. I do think that some people can benefit from it, and I I feel bad for the people who can benefit from it versus people who are doing it just as a fad. If that makes sense, like I know uh, personally, I know I know a girl. I won't say her name on here because I know she watches, and I'm not trying to like. I don't. I don't know if anybody on here would know her or not. But like, the point is, I know this girl, and she has. Um, I can't remember what it's called, man. But she has this thing where she like. I think it's called something dysmorphia, where like it's almost like you can't recognize yourself, like when yeah, you yeah, look but- at yourself. Yeah, dude. So she she has that. And so, dude, she tried everything. Like she would try to get this fixed. Like you know, like. I want to be able to recognize myself and respect myself and, or not, not respect, but you know what I mean? Like I want to have this or whatever. And so like she even started changing her diet and she went on a keto diet and it fixed it. Like it, I don't know if, I don't know if it had something to do with some sort of sugar intake or I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, so I, I don't know hundred percent know, but I know that she no longer is affected by that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and, me calling it a fad diet isn't necessarily a knock on it by any means. I just you know, no, no, no. It's it's one hundred percent a fad diet. That's, I mean, it, it, whether it helps people or not, it is a new fad. Um, yeah. I mean, it's at some point, you know, being uh, what's the CrossFit thing? Paleo that was a fad, and now it's kind of it's no longer something people are like, I got to do because it's not the hot new end thing. But people have still stuck with it, so it's not really a fad diet anymore. It's just something that's existed. People choose to do right. it, but like. When you start getting packaging that's like paleo friendly or not paleo friendly, you you know keto friendly or vegan friendly or vegetarian friendly or well maybe not vegetarian as much but you know what I mean like any stuff like that like it's still so new that it's that's not a knock on anybody who's keto or vegan or anything like that I'm I'm sure somebody will take it that way and that's not what I meant but you know what I mean like it's not something new like they're not they're marketing it. If it's being marketed, it's a fad because they're trying to make bank off of it really quickly because it's a new thing. And the weight loss industry does not give a crap about your health, man. They care about no. money you're spending. You know, so here's here's the interesting thing. So when I was doing a – I lost all the weight the first time. I was doing DDP yoga. I was – I had cut out – I was doing gluten-free and dairy-free. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because so, he's like a big – that's like – that's like a big thing that he is all about is getting rid of gluten and, and dairy specifically. I, I vividly remember that from the program or whatever it's called, like the brochure. Most people aren't gluten intolerant. You know, most people can eat gluten and be just fine. But dairy is the interesting thing because, um, you know, we're the only animal that drinks the milk of another animal in masses. You know, it's 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 very unnatural for us to do that. I so I got turned on to almond milk, and I love almond. I make my protein shakes with almond milk now. I mm-hmm. I haven't drank milk in years. I oh, mean, milk uh, is so delicious. I'm, it's my favorite beverage. I haven't drank it in a while, but it's my favorite beverage ever. Especially like you get that you get that silk um, sixty calories. It's this vanilla. Oh, dude, it's so good. Yeah, dude. No, so I, I totally dig almond milk. I think it's I think it's amazing as well. Better in cereal. Oh, dude, almond milk's amazing. But uh, the, the point of that, what I was getting at there is, like, I, I started restricting myself a whole lot, and I was like, you know, uh, so I was eating paleo, I, I started eating paleo not long after that, and the first thing that went out the door when I got sick, it wasn't the exercise, it was the diet, like, mm-hmm. but 
if you set these super strict things to like these guidelines like that, you're gonna you're not gonna stick to it, especially yep. if you're not a disciplined person. And I I was not a disciplined person. Right. Uh, so what I've done this time around, I'm largely eating what I want. Uh, you know, mind you, I'm much more conscientious of what I'm putting in my body. Sure. But I'm intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. where uh, I eat, uh, I fast for 19 hours, and I eat within a five-hour window in the day. Right. So that sounds like a eating, fasting for 19 hours, but it's really not because in in five hours I have two meals. Right. Um, other than that, like some days when it's too hard, I drink some some black coffee and you know just a little stevia in it. Um, I think on intermittent but, you know, fasting, I think the dude that that created it though said that black coffee was fine. Like I think, yeah. Um, like well, well, obviously they, they, they like drink water, but like I think if you drink like a cup of black coffee, I think you're good. Like it within the guidelines. To, you're trying to avoid spiking your insulin. Right. Uh, but when you do that, you kick your body right out of the fat burning mode, and uh, you start burning sugars and stuff like that. You know, so you don't want insulin spike yourself. So you can have like water, uh, apple cider vinegar. I take a shot of that every morning because Ugh, I did that for a very brief minute and I said, "The heck with this." <laughs> it is very, very coarse. It's very tough to do, and I don't know a lot of people that can do it. But if you can, there's so many benefits to apple cider vinegar. It, it makes your body more base than acidic, which is great for fighting uh, cold and infection. Wonderful, wonderful benefits of apple cider vinegar. It's just a lot of people can't do it because it's very course yeah but uh so that, that's my breakfast every morning i have a probiotic um because uh, what do you know about probiotics uh not much dude i haven't i haven't really um like i know the idea of them it's for like digestive health and stuff but like i've never actually physically read like actively the, seeked out information on them they're little, they're little microbacteria. It's, it's about, they're to essentially balance the good and bad bacteria in your stomach, because if your stomach's not not healthy, your body's not healthy, right. because everything that you put in your body is processed through there. So that that's essentially what it's for. But anyways, I take a uh, <clears throat> take a probiotic every morning. Um, I take a multivitamin. Um, then I take a shot of apple cider vinegar. I take a, a B complex. Because I have a brain injury, B vitamin is so good for your mind. It's so great for your brain. Um, yeah, every morning, that's my breakfast. That's all I eat for breakfast. <laughs> Supplements. Well, I mean, I, I can understand that. I know that uh, I know that there's a lot of uh, back and forth. I don't consider... I personally don't consider intermittent fasting a fad diet. And the reason I say that is because there's enough scientific evidence to back up intermittent fasting um now there's enough scientific evidence to back up eating three small meals a day as well so like i kind of put those in the same realm like and that's one of those things where i think everybody's body is different some people react to it better personally for me um i generally eat like one meal a day which is also and i know people are like that's unhealthy but it's like I've lost 50 pounds, so I'm. It may have taken me a long time to get there, but it's coming off. The problem is, yeah. I don't have the ability to control myself, and if I limit myself to three or four 400 calorie meals a day, I'm going to be miserable. So what I do is, I generally eat. I, now I will snack a little bit throughout the day, 
but I will leave literally almost all of my calories for dinner and I will freaking murder dinner. I'll kill it. And that makes me satisfied. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine. Um, because when I eat, I don't want to just like, oh, that cracker was good. If I have another one, I'm going to go over my calories though. I want to freaking kill something. I want to eat an entire cow. I want to eat, you know what I mean? Like, just give me all the freaking food. That's what I want. Well, you said you're not doing yoga anymore though. Are you working out at all? Uh, I have not worked out in a long, actually I have a gym membership and I haven't worked out in a long time. Um, so almost all of my weight has come from dietary change. Um, and part of the thing, here's here's what gets me. I'll talk to you about this because you, you were, I know that you were into DDP yoga and if there's a DDP yoga person watching this, maybe don't watch this next part. The reason I stopped doing DDP yoga is because of the community. I think, oh, this is so terrible and this, this is a risky thing to say. I think DDP yoga has a very toxic community. Um, I don't, like, not the old school people like you aren't toxic but there's a lot of new people in there who are very i don't want to say closed-minded but they're very you do it this way or it's wrong um mm -hmm. i can remember going into the group on facebook and posting something uh, because when i started studying ddp yoga it made me want to learn about normal yoga and god forbid you even call it yoga somebody will try to kill you um so i would post something and I would ask about a pose, but I would use the correct yoga pose name instead of the made-up ones that DDP has, which I get why he did. It's his program, blah, 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 whatever. I don't care. Um, dude, and instead of people commenting about the post at hand, they would just criticize me over using improper names and stuff. And I'm like, but it's not improper. That's literally what it's called. Like, Right. And, and so it was that. Was because he... You know, he, he when DPO started out was YRG Yoga for Regular Guys. Right. He wanted to make it relatable to men, so yeah. he used playing references and stuff like that. So I mean, that's so silly of people to yeah. to be militant about that. And dude, they're the big thing in that group now because I'll see it sometimes. Is every everybody's on the keto bandwagon, which is perfectly fine if it works, it works. But when somebody's in there and they're like hey, I have a dietary question. What about this? And people are like, you shouldn't eat that. It's got carbs, keto for life. And I'm like, this is not make it your own. This is being militant and very turnoffish from your program. Right, yeah. Now, absolutely. there's a lot of good people. Like, Christina Russell still seems really, really cool. Um, I met some cool people. That um, Marv White, do you remember Heavy Hippie? I still talk to that dude. Okay. Like, there's still a lot of good people. It's just a lot of the new people coming in are very militant with their thinking. And it's very turn offish. Well, anytime a community grows, you're gonna you're gonna inquire a lot of uh, toxic people. Right. Uh, any uh, And what 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 uh, what really irks me about that though with DP Yoga is that it was supposed to be a supportive kind of community to everybody's on the same same journey. You know, if we're on the same journey, who cares if we're taking different paths to get there? We're going the same exactly. place. Ah oh, man, so yeah, that is—it blows my mind that people are so um, so obsessed with one way of thinking, especially because uh, health and nutrition—it's science, and science is always changing. We're always learning new stuff. Right. That's so. You could say keto is great now. In twenty years, we, or maybe even ten years, we might find out that dude, this is a bad thing to be doing. Don't do this. And you know, so it's. Never take anything as absolute fact. Just always accept, you know, the, that it's science, and science is imperfect, and it's always changing. 
So do do you have a general care doctor? Like just the doctor you go see? I do not actually. That's something I need to do the older I get, but I do not have like a I sure don't. Okay. So I had a doctor. Um I recently changed doctors. My doctor was sixty years old. Uh that guy didn't know shit. Because <laughs> he went to medical school you can see he's sixty years old. He went to medical school like forty years ago. You know how much has changed in forty years? You know, don't they have to like? Isn't it like teachers though? Don't doctors have to like have continued education? Yes, but like when you're taught a certain way, you set yourself in those ways. Gotcha. That makes okay. I see what you're saying. Like, um, you're you're a dad, okay? One day your kid's gonna bring home some math homework, and you go, "What the fuck is this?" Right. This this is what I did. This is not the math I did. This isn't my math, not my America. So. Right. You become so set in ways, you know. You, even though you're, you know, the uh, you have to learn this new stuff. They're, they're not, you know, they're just so set in their ways. And, you know, so this guy, uh, the reason I changed doctors is because he was recommending uh, all these things that just seemed very outdated ideas. And um, my doctor now is like 30, so uh, I don't know. I just feel better because, like, you know, he's much more open, uh, right. especially like it's kind of the the uh, gap between baby boomers and millennials too. Millennials tend to be more open-minded. So. Okay. I mean, it makes yeah. sense. I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I I don't have a like a primary uh, care physician at all, but I I can see what you're saying. Like it's you know they because regardless of if things change, you're right. And the math homework thing really made it because I know. At some point, my son's gonna come home and he's gonna be like, "Here's the homework," which I have to—I even know about it now because, like, my wife's a teacher and she's like, "Here's how we have to teach stuff." Um, and I'm always like, "What? What? 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 That's not how you teach anything." You know what I mean? So I, I see—I definitely see what you're saying from there. Um, so it, it definitely makes sense. And you're right. Sci- I mean, science is always changing. You know, I mean. Uh, I can remember a brief time in high school. There, when I was in high school, I can't remember what grade I was in right off. It was either in ninth or tenth. I remember going into school, and people were freaking out because they were like, "Oh my God, eggs are not as healthy as we thought they were, and please don't drink any milk." And this was for like a month, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Okay, no, they're actually good now." Like, so, I mean, like, it changed even just in that brief period where people were freaking out, and then they were like, "Oh no, okay, no, we were wrong. Sorry, it's all right." Uh, and I'm so glad that that science, you know, they 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 got kind of 180 on that, because uh, I love eggs. I could honestly, if, if if you told me I could, the only thing I could ever eat again is eggs, I would be perfectly fine. Really? You just, oh yeah, dude, I love eggs, and they're really good for you. They're really good for you. That's a lot of people think. You know, a lot of people think they're not because of cholesterol, but like, there's good and bad cholesterol, and uh, you know, it's just. But yeah, eggs are, eggs are really good. Huh, that's that's interesting. The only type of eggs that I really, really enjoy are, um, and when I say enjoy, I mean just kind of like, I like scrambled eggs, uh, you know, decently, but wow. I'm, not a, I'm not a big egg fan. Like, I, it grosses me out. You probably love this. Most egg people I do know love this. Um... And, like, my ex-girlfriend would do this, dude. She would take the egg and just basically barely cook it and then take her toast and freaking pop that thing open and start running and, like, dipping her toast in it and stuff. And I just, oh. The good stuff. Oh, God, dude. It's so disgusting to me. Oh, it's so bad. 
I'll boil eggs, I'll scramble eggs, I'll uh I don't like oh, deviled man. eggs. Uh, I don't oh man, I can't do any of it. Oh dude. That, you, I mean I like I like scr- like I said, I I'll eat scrambled eggs, but that's about the only way that I'll actually eat them. Um and I kinda even have to be in a mood for that. I'm just not a big egg person. So, you know, I I mentioned only eating eggs. Have you heard of uh the diet called just sides? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um you start, you start with start potatoes, out, right? Yeah, potatoes. Then uh, for like two weeks, I think two weeks, three weeks, I don't know. Then uh, did you add corn? Corn. Now, do you add, do you add corn, or do you just for the next two weeks only eat corn? Oh, so you keep adding stuff. You you don't take you away add stuff. Okay. Just potatoes. You can't you can't uh, no no like salt, butter, just potatoes. Yeah, I think you can bake yeah. them right, but they have to be literally just plain potatoes. Baked. You can mash them up too, but this, you can't add anything to it. Just right. Uh, and then after a couple weeks, you add corn, and so you can eat potatoes and corn. Right. Then after that, I, I think the next thing you add was um, was broccoli. I don't remember what. I don't. Remember, but yeah, so uh, that's interesting to me because um, that is, I think personally, I think that's how you could train yourself to start intermittent fasting. So like, you mm-hmm. think that you love this because you're like, dude, I love potatoes. After two weeks of eating up potatoes, you don't you find out you don't love potatoes. You don't love much, potatoes right? quite as much as you thought you did. Right. So then you know you start eating potatoes and corn and I think it's just essentially training you to like realize that you can't just always give yourself that mouth pleasure. You've gotta uh you've got to think about what you're putting in your body and you've got to think about how you're eating and when you're eating. And I I would never do it because I don't uh, I don't like corn. Right. But uh I just think it's very interesting kind of diet. I do love potatoes though. Like I eat baked potatoes. So. I like I like potatoes. Here here's something. Um I was talking to a buddy of mine not too long ago about this and he was talking about how the he's trying to train himself and it makes sense. Like the thing is we strive for the pleasure of eating. We want that good taste. If you can get past that cuz the thing is 10 minutes after you eat that 10 seconds of taste is gone and now you're just full. So if you can get over that, because like once you eat, it's done. You don't care what you've ate, you're satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, so I'm trying to get over, like get the idea that like eat something. It might be like maybe something super heavy vegetable plate or something like that versus like a greasy hamburger. And he's like, it doesn't taste as good, but in 10 minutes I feel the exact same. Right. Hamburger may and, not be know, a good example because I, I I don't care what anybody says. You can make healthy hamburgers just by the lean meat and stuff like that. That's just my personal opinion. But like, so let's say like versus like an entire pizza, we'll say that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of turkey burgers. Uh, I like I, turkey um, burgers. I love turkey, and you can you can make a good turkey burger, and you can make uh, you, there's a lot of really good stuff you can make when you're eating healthy. <clears throat> but I am not gonna lie to you, if if I knew that I could still eat that terrible stuff. And it wouldn't affect my weight. Mm-hmm. I would. I would eat. I would still. Oh, eat. dude! I would eat. I would eat pizza and hamburgers <laughs> every day. Right, because like, like no dude, question. I, I just. I told you I love eggs, but if you if you give me an option, like, hey man, you can have this omelet, or you can have this pizza. I'm going for that pizza every time. Oh every yeah. Time. But you Absolutely. know. I, you got to think about what you're eating, and you know you got to be very conscientious about it. And that's one thing that uh, you know I mentioned earlier. You know, I'm I'm eating what I want, but I'm much more conscientious about it. So, like, 
I'm not like at work. I I work right next to a Little Caesars. Do you have Little Caesars where you live? I have I have a, I have a Little Caesars almost right beside of where I work. Yeah, Little Caesars is like two doors down from me. You can sell it all day every day, and mm. it's five dollars and it's a whole pizza. And I used to eat one of those a day, like two or three times a week. A whole pizza. I believe it, man. And one, it's the cheapest lunch you can have. But it's not because. I'm packing my lunch now. I'm spending way less money. Well, yeah. If you if you let me rephrase that, it's the cheapest lunch you can buy out, especially right, for the right. quantity. No, no, no. Because you're right. You can buy a loaf of bread, cheese, and mayonnaise for under five dollars, and you're set for a week. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I was I was eating like two or three whole pizzas hmm. by myself, a week, and I was wondering why I always had headaches. So like of course you know, I've got I've got a traumatic brain injury, but uh, so when you're eating all this fat and this grease and this cheese, it's just like <clears throat> it's gumming up everything in your body and your heart's sending bad signals, your brain's sending bad signals. You know you're full of dopamine now because you had your big old fat meal and it's two o'clock now it's nap time, right. even though you're at work. But uh, so you know I'm getting these terrible terrible headaches all the time. Most, you know, partially because, like I said, you know, I have a brain injury, but also because of the crap I was eating. So, like, and the reason I know that a lot of us do the stuff I was eating is because now that I'm eating better and taking my B supplement, I don't have them as much. So, uh, you know, you just you don't realize how much you're like, destroying your body every single day, but it's eating bad stuff. Right. Now, just out of curiosity, and you don't have to go into detail if you don't. Well, I don't. Have you posted about any having anything? Have I missed that? I, I didn't know that you had any kind of brain thing. Or is that something that's been around for a while, or is that a recent thing? So um, I was a 19-year-old kid working at a gas station, and I won't say the name of the place because, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I was working at a, a gas station, third shift. Um, somebody had mopped the walk-in cooler because somebody had spilled beer in there or something, and um, they didn't put up a wet floor sign. They didn't tell me they had mopped in there. So when I went in there to start stocking stuff, I slipped, and um, I actually uh, woke up in the hospital. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a severe closed head traumatic brain injury to the parietal region of my brain, which is like right above your ear. It's like on the side of your head. Okay. Um, that affects a lot of things like um, language processing, uh, cognitive ability, um, sleep cycle. Uh, so, I don't know uh, if you notice. You know, I'll sometimes I just like talk slower. I have to like think things out. You know, as I'm talking, or sometimes you know my friends will notice I stutter through something, or I just stop talking entirely until I can complete a thought. Huh. And uh, the reason for that is because that brain injury. So, uh, and I've been uh, so it was actually. Um, Gosh, so that was when I was 19. And then, um, so to to add to this, so I don't want to like make it sound like I got some sob story or anything, but so like to add to this, uh, a couple years ago, I started reading this book. It was no, it was last year. Yeah, last year. Started reading this book uh, by April Brooks Mendez, who you'll know mm-hmm. wrestling is a. Yeah. Her book is called Crazy Is My Superpower. 
uh, and it's a book about growing up uh, with her her mother and her both being bipolar but being undiagnosed. And uh, I was reading everything that she went through, and I just I really related to it. I was like, man, I feel like the, these things that she's experienced are exactly what's happening to me my whole life. And um, so I got the courage to, like, to go to see a, a therapist and uh, was diagnosed with bipolar type 1 myself. So I've, got a, so I've got a brain injury and then I've also got a brain that doesn't send the proper neurotransmissions. So my brain's a little wonky, uh, which is, uh, I don't know, it's, it's one reason that I decided, you know, I've got to get in shape now, like, because I'm 26 years old, I'm not getting younger, uh, you're only going to keep doing damage to your body. And I was like, dude, my brain's already working against me. I can't have the rest of my body working against me, too. Right, right. So, yeah, and that's, that's why I know that, you know, healthy eating and exercise and stuff can lead to, like, healthier brain activity and stuff. Yeah. That's and, interesting. Uh, yeah, so, no, I knew that she wrote that book. Uh, I've, I've not read it, but I know that, like, people love it, man. I've seen a ton of people post about it. And I, I'm not just saying this. That is, honest to God, that is my favorite book of all time. It's no, I mean, that it, good. Yeah, I mean... You, have, it, you need to get it. You just go to the library tomorrow and just read it. Yeah, I know it's that... So, uh, I mean, when you find something that... You know, especially if it's something you can relate to, man, it's, it always, you know, has a... I mean, it's just... I, I get it, dude. I, I definitely understand. Um when you find something that you can relate to, it, it definitely makes you care about it and stuff like that more. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely be interested in reading it. Um, at some point, I there's so many things I have to read right now. Actually, me and my wife started reading a book, and I read halfway through it, and I just haven't had time to read it again. And she's like, "When when are we gonna finish this book?" And I'm like, "Sorry, I've just been <laughs> I've been so stinking busy, man." Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, that's. That's, what, that's one reason that I haven't been putting up much content on, on our YouTube page. It's been so busy with my day job, and um, because of the issues I have, I was prescribed a, a service dog, and a, a medical alert dog, um, and we've been training her. And um, so between training her and working and, you know, trying to maintain some semblance of a social life, uh, you know, it, it, hitting the gym, it's, it's difficult to have time to really make content and uh, it makes me kind of sometimes feel like less of an artist because I'm not putting out content but I know eventually I'll come back to it it's just like it's it's really difficult to like create and also exist no I, I, I get that dude I get yeah. that you're probably making content more regularly than like Guillermo del Toro yeah because <laughs> that dude's yeah. like hey i have 30 projects in the work and then in 20 years he's like oh no they were all canceled sorry but i do have another thing coming out right yeah i, I love so that I, dude that's not a knock on that dude i absolutely love that man i think he's a fantastic filmmaker but my god does he promise a lot and not deliver oh yeah absolutely um so i'm actually doing screen tests next week for there's a project that a buddy of mine john is working on he he thought I'd be perfect for a role in it, so I'm going to go do that. And then uh, I, I would say that I'm going to start putting up some content here soon. I don't know when we'll put out marks because I want to have a whole season in the can before I release them so that I don't promise dates that I can't keep. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we're doing, like I said, we're doing the Fayetteville show, and we're going to live stream it. 
Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. That'll be cool. And are we live right now? Has this been live? Or you, do you no, no, no. Uh, pre-record. Okay, okay. Because, yeah. like, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm live streaming that. Um, so, yeah, people that uh, want to hear from me and you think I'm an interesting guy or anything I've said today is really neat, check me out on YouTube.com slash Jokers and Proggans or these guys. I don't know what the links are. Yeah. I'll give it to I'll, you. I'll put them put in the, the description and all that stuff, yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, look, go so ahead, go ahead. Mark, just out of curiosity, do you have a, a specific amount of episodes? Like, do you have a, an overall story arc that you want to work with, or do you want to just like, do you have a certain amount of episodes that you would like to do in the in that like in, in a season or whatever? Absolutely. So, I don't want to give away any like plot details, like sure. the story, but um, we do have a an arc that we've been working on, and. Um, I want to get 10 episodes in the can, 10, like a full season, 10. Uh, they're going to be like, uh, I don't know, 12 minutes long. They're not going to be crazy long. Yeah. So it's 120 minutes of content, essentially, in a season. Because I did group therapy arc in those five episodes, and mm -hmm. I had a blast with that. But the thing with Marks is uh, I'm going to be filming it, essentially, in my apartment. Um, and I've got uh, two really talented actors who are going to be in it um, in... I'm just very excited about it, but I want to have 10 episodes in the can before I release it because, uh, like I said, you know, you, you talk about um, Guillermo, you know, you, you can't just promise things and not deliver. I want to be a guy that, you know, people that follow me online, they, they get what, what I tell them they're going to get. Right. Well, I, mean, I think we've so, all been guilty of that, man. I think the past four YouTube videos that I've made has all been something new and being like, I think this is what I'm going to do with my channel now. And it's, of course, the podcast is like, this is like, this is what a lot of it's going to be. Like, this is actually settled. But I think I did one that was like, I wanted to do like board game reviews because like, that's really, really cool. And then I wanted to do like, I do the series of criticizing bad reviews. Uh, and I was mm. like, that's what I'll do. Uh, so I, 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 I get what you're saying. Like, you don't want to promise because then people are just like, man, you keep saying this and then it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I've i been doing a lot of podcasts lately. So, like, a lot of my friends have podcasts. I've been doing a lot of them. Um, and just, you know, because I do voices and stuff, they like having the voice guy on their shows. Yeah. And, yeah, so uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately. And, I, I like I said, I've tried not to promise anybody anything with content. But at the same time, it's like there's stuff coming. I can't necessarily tell you exactly what it is because I don't necessarily know the direction I want to take the channel in myself right now. Right. But uh, we do post our live show performance dates, you know. Um, so we're always we're always doing something. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it, we're trying to keep our nose to the grind. But, uh, you know, again, we all have day jobs. <laughs> Capitalism. Yeah, it's, it's, hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to make that work, man. Uh, no, I, I get it. I'm working with a buddy of mine right now named Jimmy. We're working on a um, a horror movie. Uh, like we're in the writing process of it right now, and I just think like, how much farther could we be on this if like this was our job? <laughs> like, but it's like it's so hard to. Because the thing is, you go to work, and I'm sure that you probably have had the same thing. You go to work, and you're like, sweet, I'm at work. Not thinking that, but you know what I mean. You're like, all right, I'm at work, so I got to concentrate on work. Work is over. Now I've got to drive home. Okay, I've also got to eat. 
now I have like three hours that I can do something with, what am I going to do? And you don't want to spend, it's not that you don't love creating, but you don't want to spend every single one of those three hours doing that to where you can't do anything else. It's, it's tough to find like a balance. Right. Absolutely. And it's, uh, you, you need to have time in the day to meditate, to, to relax, to watch Netflix, whatever you do to unwind. Because if you don't unwind, you're just winding yourself tighter and tighter and tighter. And eventually, dude, you're going to explode. Mm-hmm. And you have, to, you have to make you time. Yep. And, yeah, that's, that's almost impossible to do. So uh, you know, if, it, it, if it comes down to making stuff or my mental and physical health, it's my mental and physical health every time. Oh, yeah. So making stuff is secondary to taking care of yourself. Right. Well, that's why I stopped. Uh, I did 650 days every single day. I did I, for 650 days. I released a YouTube video, and dude, that's almost two years. Yeah, and it got to where I just said I have to. I can't anymore. Like I want to come home. I want to play with my kid, and you know I I don't like because what was what would happen is. I would come home and like even before I fully stopped, I would come home, I'd play with my kid until 7.30 or 8. So it's 8 o'clock. I've got to, over the next two, three hours, I have to shoot an entire video, get it edited, get it exported, get it uploaded, get it tagged, titled, and set to go the next day. I just couldn't do it anymore, man. Like, I, I, I proved the point that I wanted to make. I was set out to daily vlog and I wanted to do it for even just a month. Honestly, I thought even making it to 10 days would be crazy. And I did 650. I, I did. I fell, I think, just short of a month. I stopped in May, and I started in June of t- two years prior. I mean, I was right there at almost two years. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore, man. It's It, it wore on me. And I have a lot more free time now. So um, I still upload content, like I'm doing these podcasts and stuff. But it takes it out of you, dude. Especially that stuff. Oh, it's so so taxing right and but you know if if you have a gift you have to share it with the world like you're not obligated but you absolutely should share it with the world right if if you're a fun guy if you're a talented person you know you I feel like I feel like that is your obligation to yourself though you know you owe it to yourself to to show the world what you can do and so you have to do stuff it's just like like I said you know you just can't put making content over your own well-being. Right. No, absolutely. And that's the thing I do want to share. And that's why, like, stepping back from YouTube has given me time and I want to work on bigger projects. And that's, it's freed up time to be able to work on this movie that I'm, that I'm, you know, that we're going to do and stuff like that. So I feel like it's a fair trade-off. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, I do want to have you back on. Uh, we've been talking for like an hour and a half, so, uh, and I'm sure that you you have a couple things to do. I do want to have you back on in the future because I know I, I didn't get to it today. This is kind of the thing with this podcast, though, man. Like, I don't. I like the idea of natural conversation. I don't like the idea of having a set questionnaire and then just ending it. Like, I would rather just let the conversation flow because everybody's interesting. Like, just let it go. Um, Next time, I do want to have you on again in the future, maybe a couple weeks or something like that, um, you know, if you're free, because uh, I do want to get into, you do impressions uh, and stuff like that, and um, which you, you even did a couple today, like when you were, 
I don't know if you're purposely doing them or not, but you know, doing like your Austin imitation or, or whatever. So um, I'd love to have you on and just talk about, you know, going into a little bit of that, like voice acting and stuff like that. If you're down uh, for oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. Um, so definitely anybody listening, definitely go check out Scott's stuff. Uh, Jokers and propaganda. I'll have all the links in the description below. If you're listening to this on iTunes or anything, uh, I should still have links in the in the description below. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't remember if I put them in the first episode. I think I can. Anyway, this is still all new to me, so don't hate me. Um, but yeah. yeah, go check out Scott. By next, by next time I appear, I'll have like a uh, a little setup where I can you can see me. You know, so cool. Yeah, no, I mean it's cool. I mean, still the early stages, man. I'm just enjoying talking to people and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it'd be cool if I made I, money doing this, but I just like talking to people and. If a couple of people get entertainment out of it, man, then that's cool. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but definitely go check out Scott. Scott, thank you so much for coming on, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, and maybe one time we can just do specifically wrestling. I, I tried to steer away from that wrestling just a little bit there towards the end because if I get trapped in that wrestling hole, it's not ending ever. Yeah, we'd be here for hours. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I definitely appreciate you coming on, uh, and I thank everybody for listening, and we will see you in the next episode.